Obviously, we had the great source today to learn Yavam Daf Chof Hey, and in this particular Daf, we continued in the discussion from the Mishnah that began in Chav Talano Beis 24b, where the Mishnah was talking about someone who was the subject of rumors, and the ability of rumors to impact, well, first of all, to impact a current, mar- current marriage and to preclude future marriages. We saw in Machlokis, Rav and Rav Sheshes. Rav said the case of the Mishnah was talking about where there were witnesses. Rav Sheshes says that the case of the Mishnah is talking about even when there are no witnesses. But rather, again, we're talking about what we call a kala de lo pasik, a rumor that does not end. The Gemara also introduced the opinion of Rebbe. And Rebbe said, well, before we even get, right, Rebbe said that halacha lamaisa, when you have circumstantial evidence, and Rebbe went through three different cases of circumstantial evidence where adultery occurred. Rebbe uses lashna mukhura haddabar, the matter is disgusting, and the mere presence of circumstantial evidence could force a divorce. The Gemara had an interesting conclusion. The Gemara said the halacha is like Rav and the halacha is like Rebbe. Now those two conclusions seem to contradict each other because Rav said the only way to force a divorce and preclude a marriage to the suspected adulterer is with witnesses, whereas Rebbe said mere circumstantial evidence is enough. So the Gemara said, how do you distinguish? The Gemara said, very simply, one is talking about a rumor that stops and often is counteracted with an opposing rumor, or in other words, really not an opposing rumor, but is counteracted with a call that says the rumor was was false, versus another, the other opinion holds that halacha if the rumor does not stop, if the rumor does not stop, then ultimately, again, it is believed. So the way the Gemara reconciled it was as follows. If you have a rumor that does not stop, that creates enough circumstantial evidence to potentially trigger an obligation for a divorce and preclude marriage to the suspected adulterer. But ultimately, again, if the, if the rumor stops, then it's only the presence of witnesses that could trigger a divorce and preclude the suspected adulterer from marrying. So the Gemara gave a couple of more examples of this. The Gemara also said that when a man divorces his wife because of Motsi Shemra, because a terrible rumor began to circulate about her, or because she made a neder that he felt was inappropriate, the halacha is he may not marry her. He divorces her as a result of the Shemra or the neder, he may not remarry her. Rashi explained why may he not remarry her. What we are ultimately concerned about is that he may find out at a later time that the rumor was false, and he might say, you know what, I had I known the rumor was false, I would have never divorced her. And it could be that he'll be mevatel the get lemafreya, retroactively negate the get. And of course, that could be problematic, especially if she subsequently remarried and had children. It could, it could essentially make that second marriage into adultery and make those children into mamzerim. In order to, same thing with the nether. Had I known the nether had revocation, so I would have acted differently. In order to avoid any of these types of situations, Chazal said that when you are divorcing your wife because of either shemra or nether, we tell the husband, no backsies, right? In other words, you cannot go ahead and remarry her even if she did not marry someone else in the interim. We then began the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that if a person, interesting case, of maybe get medina sayam. So the halacha is that Outside of Eretz Yisrael, there was a concern that people were not well-versed in the halachos of Gittin and did not know that a get has to be written in the Shema for the sake of this husband and this wife. So therefore, when you're bringing a get from outside of Eretz Yisrael, you need a witness that testifies and says, This get was, get was written in front of me, the Shema, and it was signed in front of me as well. The Mishnah says, 
that the witness who comes and delivers this information cannot marry the divorcee. And again, the logic, of course, being that since the, essentially the divorce is ratified through his testimony, it seems a bit inappropriate that he himself would then go ahead and marry this woman. Similarly, Taloche is, if a man says, comes, shows up and gives testimony and says, so let's say, Rachel, I saw that your husband is dead. Or again, it's dramatic cases. I killed him. We killed him. The halacha is that he may not marry the widow. He may not marry the widow. And same basic idea. Since this woman is being freed from this marriage as a result of his testimony, there's a concern that perhaps he may want to marry her. And that's why he's giving this testimony. Therefore, we're precluding him from doing so. So the, the Gemara explained... First of all, the Gemara is saying the case of the get, that ultimately, again, it's only when he's bringing it from Medina Sayam, only when he's bringing it from outside of Eretz Yisrael, because there, the effectiveness or the consciousness of the get is fundamentally dependent on his testimony. But if you brought a get from inside Eretz Yisrael, ultimately, again, that would not be a problem. I, the Gemara says, but isn't he still certifying it? No, because at the end of the day, there's a document. And that document really has the ability to kind of stand on its own, even without his testimony. The Mishnah said, the Mishnah then go, went on to say that how could it be that if a man goes ahead and says, I killed your husband, how is that testimony even? How is So here's what's interesting. The Mishnah says, so let's say, imagine the following case. A witness shows up and he says to Rachel, I killed your husband, Reuven. So the Mishnah says that the witness is not permitted to marry Rachel. But what we can infer from that is someone else is permitted to marry Rachel. I, how are we able to believe this testimony? After all, again, we say that halacha lamaisa, ein adam atzmo rasha, right? A person is not permitted to give self-incriminating evidence. And the Gemara gives a couple of examples of this. That halacha lamaisa, if a person shows up and he says, I committed an avera, Ultimately, again, we don't accept his testimony. You are not permitted or you're not believed to self-incriminate. The mechanics of that are, number one, Adam Karov Atzmo. A person is related to himself and therefore, remember again, relatives are not permitted to go ahead and give testimony. And therefore, again, a person is not believed to make himself into a Russia, into, into a transgressor. To which the Gemara essentially says that what we really do is we split his words. So when the witness shows up and he says to Rachel, I killed your husband, we hear two things in that statement. Number one, that Rachel's husband is dead. Number two, that the witness killed him. The fact that the witness killed him, that we ignore, so to speak. Why? Because we can't believe the witness when he says that, because that's self-incriminating testimony. What we do believe is that the husband is dead. We splice his testimony, accepting one part, rejecting another part. The Gemara then went on to go on and say, what's the case of we killed him? So the Gemara clarified this case as a situation where a witness comes along and says, I'm giving testimony that I saw him killed by a group. In the, in the Gemara's example, it was, I saw your husband killed by a, by a Gentile court, right? By a basin of Akum. So that's the case ultimately, again, not saying that we killed him, that we participated in his death, but rather ultimately saying we saw that he was executed by another group. Incredible. We will stop over here for today. Wishing everyone a wonderful day and a good night of Shabbos and a good Chodesh.